Hey everybody, we're back. Welcome to episode 19. I'm here with Nick. Yes, here I am. And DJ the Hummer guy. DJ. Oh, wow. How's it going? I couldn't oh resist. God. It was too, too easy. No, you meet one guy who happens to own a Hummer and you put him in your phone that way and it all goes downhill from there. Thank you for throwing me under the proverbial Hummer bus. I appreciate it, Dan. I would love to see a Hummer bus. I've that's seen the Hummer idea. limos. I want like a full-blown oh, bus. Wow, that's a good a idea. A dually? Yeah, exactly. Dually? Yeah, okay. Well, um, new business idea. <laughs> Brilliant. Keep your kids safe by running over the rest of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would totally work here. We could have a Mustang bus. That would be more pre- predictable. That would run over people. Exactly. Yeah. I could see that happening. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, James. Dan. I appreciate you throwing me under the bus. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, We've had we- some fun. <laughs> Minus what just happened, yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Well, this week we had a we had a wonderful time. This weekend we uh, went to the Avance uh, Tech Session at um, German Car Specialist, right? German off. Car Specialist. There, you guys, everybody knows where they are, but doesn't know where they are. You, everybody's passed their sign and been like, oh yeah, I know that place. Um, they're right off of I ninety and four hundred five in that. Well, corner. It's not their I- sign; it's their building. It's painted like red and. Yellow? Black and yellow and... Kind of like the German flag, maybe? <laughs> yeah, for the spanking and the coughing. You you know it, yeah. <laughs> sure they'll appreciate that. <laughs> uh, German car specialist does not support Grain City Hooper cars at no time. Uh, they're, they're, I'm anyway. getting good at saying these adverse <laughs> advisory warnings. <laughs> they did a, a really cool tech session Avance put on um, that was pre-inspection so like before you buy a car almost a ppi inspection yeah full yeah. ppi it was they go through the ins and outs of what you're paying for and why you're paying for it and what it means and it was actually really informative i mean i've always just kind of handed my cars over to somebody i trust i'm like yeah what do you think you're a mechanic i don't know what i'm doing here you go i learned so much this weekend and, and again we have to thank our previous guest adam from advance i mean as far as things that you can do in a parking lot even with i mean Okay, that came off really. Boy, both of them are looking at me. Hey, DJ the Hummer guy, what kind of things do you do in a parking lot? Um, no, okay. So as far as the PPI, if, if you can't have the car inspected and you're meeting somebody, small things that you should have with you. Anything from a flashlight, and I didn't think about this, a mirror. Yeah, the mirror. That was a good trick. He this was- also works for DJ the Hummer guy in a parking lot. A flashlight and a mirror. <laughs> One of the cool Wait, things. Wait, what do you do with this flashlight? <laughs> yeah, so they, like had, to know. they put two cars up in the Air Force. They had a, a 911 Carrera S. That was a 991 first gen, uh, early 991, not first gen, but a 2000. What would that be a 14? It always throws me off when someone I know. calls it a 991, and I'm like, no, it's a 911. No, <laughs> <laughs> they're all 911s. This is a 991 yeah. chassis. Anyway, so they had one of those up in the air and a Boxster, which are two vehicles that are very difficult to see the motor on, especially the Boxster, where you're like, well, that's where the oil goes in, and that's where the coolant goes in, and that's where the wiper fluid goes in, and that's all we can touch. So Was it on the box? No, that was, that was on the the nine on the 911, remember? When yeah, you, but you I mean, the Boxster just has like those two little fill caps oh, when you yeah, pop the back, absolutely. and that's all you can see. Yeah. So they were showing how the mirror trick was to use the mirror to look up and inspect the belt and things like that. Under there, the there body is, panels, yeah. Yeah, underneath the car, so you have to pull everything apart. But uh, just looking at tire wear and suspension and how they check the uh, uh, upper and lower control arms for play and ball joints and sway bars. It was a really informative tech section, and Nick, had an, Nick and I had a great time and just another reason to be part of Avance. I will say this, and, and I can say this without, I mean, any payment from them. If I was to buy a German car right now, mm-hmm. I would take, that, take it there for a pre, pre-purchase inspection. Oh, for sure. The price you will pay is worth what you will save. After buying that car. And they will walk you through it, which is, 
you know, if you ask nicely. Most people hand you a list and say, we can do this for you for this price. Yeah, but they'll be like, here's what's wrong, and they'll be like, and then they'll go show you. And if they can't have you in the shop, they'll send you a photo. It was really confidence-inspiring to see guys that are really passionate about their work. I know a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of dealerships, and it depends on the tech, because I know some great techs, so I don't want to throw them under the bus, but a lot of it is just in and out, in and out. They've got to move cars fast. Um, these guys, you're going to pay a little more. I think they started, started at like 150 for a basic well, one. I think and the 300. basic look over is like 50 bucks, but that's not going deep. And then I think it goes up to 250 which they will dig. They will tell you everything that's wrong with the car for 250 They will drive it. Yeah, it started impressive. cold. It was yeah. Cylinder pressures, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. On an older vehicle, yeah. That was one of the things they talked about is when they do that, when they don't. Like, they're going to drive it cold, drive it hot, get the oil up to temp. Like, they were extremely thorough. I was very impressed. I've been around cars. I mean, we both have our whole lives, so it was nice and refreshing to see a shop be like, no, we really take this seriously. Our reputation's on the line. I think that's the beauty of a smaller shop is when they do work, their reputation is really on the line. Well, and they were talking, and Dan, you can kind of correct me on this because I want to make sure that my information is correct. As far as when you're test driving a car that you're thinking about buying, be it new or used, on freeway on-ramp and take it through at least three gears. Yeah. They, if you can, you want to run it through three gears uh, all at once, just one, two, three. That'll give you the rev through at different ranges and different gears how the transmission feels. I will say this though, if you're going out and you're test driving a few year old Porsche and you take it through three gears, be careful because you will be going double digits. <laughs> <laughs> I drove a GT3 once, I test drove one. I should have bought it looking back. It was a 997.1 GT3 full caged and the salesman was awesome. I was really in the market. I was hoping to buy it and uh, yeah. Porsche Bellevue free plug for them. They knew I was a serious buyer. I wasn't just kicking tires and they treated me exceptionally well as a buyer and let me actually drive that car versus put around town in the passenger seat while somebody else did. Well, yeah. you got to think, I mean, truthfully, most people that come in and buy those cars and, and we have a lot of friends that drive those cars and have owned those cars and, and drive the right. crap out of them. But most people that come in and go, I'd like to drive that because I'd like to be seen at Bellevue Square in that, please. Yeah. So they were probably happy to like, oh, you want to take this out and drive it, drive it? Okay, well, good. Yeah, he was great. So. Bob, this guy wants to drive the car the way it's meant to be. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, thanks thanks again, Adam from Avance. Thanks, German Car Specialists. Again, not sponsors, just we love supporting the community when they make our lives better and don't really ask anything from us. What more can you ask for? I've driven by it thousands of times and, and I've known they were there. And I mean, I'm so impressed. Yeah, there's a reason they've been in business like 30 something years or something. It's more like than it. that, I 37, think. 37, I think they said. Yeah. yeah. And this is the guy who owns it now, worked there for like 10 years and then bought it five years ago or something close and to that. And has some really cool cars. He's got an 840, like a Eight, really. Yeah, a, is an 840? It's an 840. 840. And then he had a Mercedes Ford. It was a 280 SL. Oh my God, that was a beautiful car. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful car. Well, um,. Here's the reason we're here. <laughs> and there's a lot of good stories about DJ the Hummer guy. Um, so, <laughs> Which that nickname is going to stick forever. Yeah, it's it's gonna Nick's stick fault, now. so I'm he can get out of him. I voted to keep it out, but apparently... It's too funny wants, not to I share. guess it happened. We're yeah, there. It, it happens. So, backstory. DJ and I live in the same building in downtown Bellevue. And I moved in, I think, before him, I think. A few months, yeah. And about two spaces over from where I keep the BMW and the Triumph is this little compact space. And <laughs> when I moved in, nobody lived down there. And all of a sudden, one day, a Hummer H1 shows up in this compact space. <laughs> and 
in my building, uh, one of the uh, the, pre- the previous management, there was a gentleman down at the front desk who will remain nameless for his own security, um, who was a big car guy. He actually used to work in the car industry here. <laughs> and I look at it, and, I'm, and, and I have a picture, and I, I'm hoping I can still find it because we can use it as the tag, but... It's this H1 in a compact space, and and DJ had done his... I didn't know DJ at the time, had done his best to park it in there. And I went up to the guy at the front desk, and I'm like, you need to find this guy a better parking spot. Like, <laughs> this is not right. Like, And he's a car guy. He's like, oh, I had no idea. I mean, but um, after many times, I finally... Uh, Touch base with DJ, and we met uh, at a at a party here, and um, have been good friends since. Um, because um, he's a uh, a car minded individual, we'll say. Um, and the funny thing was, and I was telling him this since you guys brought it up, when I first met him, and he goes, "Oh yeah, we should hang out. We should grab beers, whatever." He he goes, "Oh yeah, my name's DJ," and I go, "Okay." So I put it in there as DJ the Hummer guy on my phone. <laughs> now. <laughs> Most people put that in there as, as reminders of like, oh, this is, you know, I've, I've got multiple DJs in my phone. I don't. <laughs> I think it works better with motorcycles. Okay. Yeah, you know, oh, because... DJ the motorcycle guy? No, you know, like GSX-R1000. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, I agree. It yeah. doesn't yeah. have another connotation. And, and, and we'll get deeper into that because as DJ's a big motorbike guy and Dan and him have been nerding out, which left me out of the conversation. I'm like, oh, yeah, two wheels. Gotcha. Super. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> But DJ, thank you for uh, taking the long trek down three flights of stairs and uh, coming down here and having whiskey with us. We really appreciate it. It's okay. I took the elevator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you lazy bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry I called you a bastard. That was inappropriate. Um, thank God we edited it out. DJ, you are the kindred car spirit. Absolutely. As, I mean, you know, as, as we know in the car world, be it worldwide you meet us you meet somebody be it male or female or in this town male and female um and you basically don't look at me i don't like know that, where he's man. going with this yeah. one this is not a not we're all I patiently mean. waiting this is, like, is this a dating 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 podcast now I've, it's not the first time i've had two men looking at me waiting for what will happen next um <laughs> <laughs> that's a really nasty grin dan uh, i'm afraid <laughs> So DJ and I, like I said, DJ and I met, uh, and we live in the same building, still do, and uh, Kendrick Car Spirit. And your Hummer is something that we've kind of bonded over because, I mean, it's the manliest of manly cars, let's be honest. And The real H1. Yeah. Let's go into a little bit of detail because you don't own a Hummer just because, you know, you have the means to buy a Hummer. You have history with owning Hummers uh, that goes back to your father. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So if you could kind of share with our listeners, uh, all six of them, uh, what your history is. So uh, I, I would put the history, especially just behind that vehicle. I, w- I would have to say that that was purchased in 1996, first of all. So you Yours? have to remember, no. yes, you have to remember that they were not popular vehicles at You're, that time. It was one of the first 96? ones. Yeah. When Ken Griffey Jr. was buying his Hummer, that's when we bought ours. Oh, so, wow. And uh, right after that, you know, my, my dad grew up uh, building vehicles and driving off-road and doing crazy things. So naturally, this fit right into our father-son schedule. Uh, but, um, you know, after that, he became the president of the Hummer Club. We spent a lot of time off-road with a whole lot of different vehicles. Great time. But uh, then we put some meaning into it. We actually uh, joined the, it's called Hutch. It's for the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research uh, center down in Seattle here, we would do all the emergency deliveries and pickups of doctors or organs or things like that. And we're, I think we're still on that list. The sticker's still in the back of the Hummer. I'm still ready to go, but um, 
I had I see Dan. I had no idea that existed. Like right, DJ and I have talked a lot, but I had and we were talking tonight. I had no idea, and that is the coolest thing I've ever heard of in the world. Like of a club I want to be a part of. That's it. I know now. I want a Hummer. Well, it's kind of like if you have a Lamborghini and you you're part of the police chase squad or something like that. You know, Does it's a exist? reason to do whatever you want to do in that vehicle. So well, the no, Hummer that was. Horrifying. Dan and I know a lot of people <laughs> Lamborghinis, and I don't think that exists. But so basically, just to clear the Hutch. If if we have an extreme storm or something like that, you guys or or your or your other people Group. in the club, yes, will go get a doctor from his home mm-hmm. in the worst conditions and yep. bring him to the hospital for. See, I think that's, that's absolutely so, yeah. wherever the helicopter can drop him off, wherever a good point is. You know, you know what? A, I think uh, oh, what's his name with the Pinscower? I think he's part of that as well. Now that you mention it, I think this is a familiar story, and that is really cool. It, there's a, a guy that's. Uh, Follow him on Instagram. He's a big guy at Mule, too. He's got a Pinscower, Swedish, you know, military vehicle. And it is not just some thing he's cobbled together. This is like a no-expense spared build. It's beautiful. I can he's brought it out to uh, Exotic several a couple times. times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, very cool stuff. So, um, with the Hummer you own now, mm-hmm. and that and that and that's a that's a full. That's not the truck version. That's the full. What I want. What I want. H one with every package. It's the four door, but with the bed on it. It's so not. Is it an Alpha? It's not an Alpha. Alphas uh, came out after they're resold. Okay, so uh, Alpha after it. So is the one you own? Did your father own it first, and you bought it, or did you buy it? It's a shared vehicle. We'll put oh, it that's at awesome. that. No, no, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's it's, it's just like my Triumph. Like it's not really anyone's. Had. Well, it just yeah. floats. Yeah. Who has the keys drives it? I understand that. I just love that you use it. It's not a. I mean, even the H ones are oft all too often mall crawlers, which is crazy because yes. it's the worst vehicle ever for going to the mall. But that's the typical lifted vehicles in this town. I Every, disagree. Absolutely. You can get out of the mall really fast if you. If, you know. <laughs> I think I have a photo of that. There's the mall. There was a Jeep over there on 22s. It was a Rubicon and everything. I'm just like <sighs> shaking my head. Whoever you exactly are, you kick yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, how do you not love Hummers? I mean, you know, I mean, it's like America, and you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's not America, but he drives one. So. <laughs> I mean, He's a governor of California. Governor. He had the first eight, I think. Yeah. Did he, yeah, he, had he bought eight. eight of them? Oh, no, he had way more than that. Yeah. Wow, he started no with eight. <laughs> Would you like to buy a car? No, I'd like to buy eight. But they were the tan ones, the military ones in the late 80s before yeah. anyone had them. Oh, those are rough. He, he had the first ones. Yeah. And yours is a good one, though. Yours is the diesel, which is kind of the turbo. pinnacle. Yeah, turbo yeah. diesel, which is kind of the pinnacle of the Hummer. So people don't know. The V8 ones, there is slow and inefficient, and then there's Hummer H1 V8 slow and inefficient. Well, there, there are the three different motors, you know, because there, there's the gas motor, which you should never buy. Right. And then there's the diesel, which the military uses, which you should never, never buy. buy. And then there's the turbo diesel, which is the only Which is one. the good one. Which yeah. you should never buy. Uh, which you should yeah. definitely buy. So <laughs> no, I, mean, I was laughing earlier because I was asking what kind of mileage he got. And he said he gets about 25, 26 in a Hummer. Freeway, freeway. I should yeah, clarify. well, still. Are you I going mean, downhill? Absolutely not. No, no. It's, it's just, just an extremely turbo efficient. Turbo diesel. Oh, yeah. it's turbo diesel. Yeah, I get you. And just for reference, I get, you know, 12, 13 on a good day in the Land Cruiser in my 4.7 V8. And, and less than that in the VET. No, yeah, we I, get I, it. I get about 18 in the VET on average. Uh, no, I mean, I, I knew who, if, if, I had, if I was able to figure out who owned that Hummer that we would be kindred spirits. Well, there's more to DJs than good Hummers, so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, really though. You're actually we know a lot of the same people. Uh it just so happens that you're friends with Doug from uh the up and coming drivers club. Absolutely. You guys go way back though. You're like old school buddies. Yeah, like junior business varsity kind of soccer yeah. and we started a company together for a brief period and yeah. 
Yeah, your warehouse used to be near his, right? Yeah, across the street. Okay. And I mean, you know, Driver's Club, if you, you know, haven't heard our previous episode with Amanda, go check it out. It's going to be the up-and-coming place to be if you need to keep your, your exotics or any type of car yeah. here in the Pacific Northwest. If you need but, kind of specialty service, man, they're where it's at. They just, uh, she posted a photo today of pouring concrete. It's cool to see that place coming along. They've got a really active Instagram. It's fun to watch it be built. So I'm, I am really excited for what that's going to bring to the east side. Doug's always got cool stuff, too. Well, absolutely. But, DJ, your love for cars and anything automotive and anything that goes fast, makes noise, and smells bad goes deeper than that. I mean, your business opportunities, although many, I mean, you've, you've, you've delved into two guns. You've delved into flashlights. You've delved into this lighting that you were talking to us about for, for motorcycles a little bit. If you could give us a little deep depth into that without giving away too many of your secrets. About. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've had, what, 16 companies, you said? And we're not going to go into all those, but you I think we're at 18 now. Yeah, like you're not that, new yeah. at this. This is your... your... Uh, all in all, they're small companies, startups, spin-ups, things like that. Pretty but... cool stuff, though. He was telling You were telling me about the lighting stuff and the gun stuff I'm also interested in, too. I mean, a lot of our listeners are big gun guys and girls. Sorry. Gun Very people. Cool. Gun people, yes, thank you. So tell me more about that, though. I mean, you, your dad owns the company now. So if we're specifically talking about Lionheart Industries, that was my firearms company yes. that I started. Um, went over to South Korea and partnered with their military and brought their designs over here, rebranded them for the U.S. market, and uh, then eventually opened U.S. manufacturing, you know, invested in CNC equipment, things like that here. Uh, but yeah, I've passed it on to my dad and I'm moving forward with other ventures at the point at this point. It's yeah. such a different thing. Like most people, a father starts a business, passes it on to their father, not DJ. <laughs> Let me start a business, pass it on to my father, who's also a very successful individual. <laughs> yeah. And you, I mean, you, you're big into the carnage. This is one of the reasons we brought DJ on. It's not just, not just because he's a cool guy. He is a cool guy and we're glad to have him here because we're friends, but you also have a pretty good influence in, or I shouldn't say an influence, a, uh, You've had a presence in the industry that people don't know about, but do know about. You did all the timing for Baja one year? So, yeah, there's um, there are a lot of different venues we can go down here in a, in a hurry, different alleys. But, um, so, yeah, actually, my, my good friend Brad in college, he um, watched a movie called Dust to Glory. Oh, and if I you love haven't that movie. seen Dust to Glory, you need to watch it. Fantastic yeah, watch movie. It. Fantastic. Definitely. Our good friend Eric Tadeja, his he worked on the pit crew of the truck that's... that's a bunch of he's in that movie a bunch of times. Oh, nice! Yeah, small world. So that, that is a great story, though. So he saw that movie like a million other people did, and thought, "We're going to go to Baja. We're going to race. We we need to do this. This is too good." And so he showed up there for a couple years uh, ahead of me before I got involved and kind of laid the groundwork. But he's a master schmoozer. Sorry, Brad, if you're listening. To this. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. You know, he can talk anyone into anything. But at the end of the day, he ended up doing all the tracking, scoring, and timing for all the Baja races. Baja, you know, 250, 500, 1,000, everything, and some other series as well. And that came out of the fact that if anyone knows who Kurt Caselli is, he actually passed away. He was KTM's number. He was the number one rider in the world. He died in, oh, I think it was 2013. I don't want to misquote this, but so that KTM motorcycles pulled out of all off-road racing at that point. And, um, uh, I should say desert racing. And so then Brad came in with the owner of score, which does all the Baja races and said, Hey, we need to make this safer. I can't keep having people dying in every race. And so it was kind of identified that every racer should have a tracker on them. 
and maybe measured G-forces, position, it needed to work on GPS, radio, and maybe, you know, other short-range communication methods because you're on the middle of the desert. Nothing works out there. Right. You're crashing. It's 115 degrees out. Point being is what we did, I did a lot of the engineering and we made some boxes and did a lot of the tracking for those races. You know, we'd choose the winners and do everything. And I always like to err on the side of caution. If you don't know what the Baja 1000 is or the Baja 500 or the 250, go check it out. I mean, we're talking about teams that are building vehicles, motorcycles, buggies, trucks that are blaring through the desert at triple digit speeds, triple digit speeds. And it's not just the desert you're, you're, you're working against. You're working against, we'll call them the locals. because <laughs> In some cases, yeah, that's true. You have people that are digging pits to force crashes and things like that. And, and that's a big part of what DJ's talking about in the fact that in the old days, you could crash into a pit or crash, and they, people wouldn't know that you were dying out in the desert for hours because or the forever guy, the yeah, guy or forever. behind people you just or forever people disappear say. in the baja people d- disappear in the baja um you know and now this is this is a i mean at the basis this is a safety thing yeah it's a game changer it's, it's totally a game changer so you know dj being the humble guy he is he goes he looks at dan and he goes oh yeah i helped uh do design some stuff for the baja oh what stuff oh just people that, that makes people like you know, their life more worth worth living oh good good for you dj <laughs> Well. Go check it out. I mean, the Baja, <laughs> does, does the Baja 1000, the 500, and the 250, do they happen at the same time? Or are they part of the same race? Or how does that No, work? all different points of the year. And, you know, the basis, just for the people that don't know, the 500 is usually around 500 miles. The 1000 right. is around 1000. But the 1000, I believe, has been up to 1200 miles. So right. it's not really. Because they change the route. Yeah, they change the route every I single didn't time. I that. I thought the Baja 1000 no. was 1000 miles. No. And so the 500 is loop race. It's from Ensenada. It goes down the Baja Peninsula and it comes back. The 1000 is point to point. It comes all the way down, you know, to like La Paz, you know, down at the very end of the coast. So that's a whole different logistical race there, so, night so and day. So the Baja 1000 is, is a down and back? No, just, oh, just down. One down. Shot. Just down. See? Yeah. For those of us that, when I was speaking to those people that didn't know, I was speaking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's probably the da- most dangerous race in the world, quite literally. I think it is the it's most dangerous It's up there with race. like the Isle of Man is pretty bad. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Isle of Man and Dakar, yeah. I think, are but for instance, in every race we work at, I'd say, you know, the last race that I worked at before we actually stopped racing and, or stopped working and started racing in some other races, um, my good friend who was, did three tours in Afghanistan actually passed away in the race. And I watched his tracker say that he had died, basically. So even with all of this stuff, we're still losing three to four people a race. Way to take the air out of the room, dude. <laughs> Dang. Well, shout out to Noah. Yeah, absolutely. Noah, yeah. you know, absolutely. But, you know, at least, you know, thank God you had a tracker. There was a time when those guys would die in the desert and people wouldn't find out if, you know, if not hours, if ever sometimes. Like you guys said, never. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a long ways and a lot of distance to cover and a lot of dust. And a lot of guys going really far off road when you're going triple digits. Well, as the ignorant side of the table, and I will say this. My experience with the Baja has been any documentaries they've done with the what's the t- what's the, the the team the terrible Herps? Oh yeah, the, the Herps. Those guys, the gas I mean, station and, family, and they're, and they're they're running everything from buggies to trucks, and I mean, oh yeah, I've seen some documentaries with, with them and, and what it takes, and as far as fueling up these cars and doing things in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night, I mean, it, it's pretty impressive. It's you know, you can think about oh, I'm going to build an off-road car like 
Dan's a big off-road guy, and I can go up the mountains, whatever. But these cars are doing yeah. 100, 120 miles an hour off-road on whoops and... <laughs> Yeah, watching watching the trucks go through the Baja and that full swing arm suspension, watching that work is just magic. The float, <laughs> the couch mobile, yeah. Yes, exactly. And, <clears throat> oh, I'm sure most of those people think they're on a couch as they've got air piped in and they're peeing in a bag. Absolutely. No, they're they're just peeing through the floorboards. They're yeah. just holes. <laughs> but you don't do that in your car. Well, I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> Dan, I'm, gonna, Traffic, need, I'm right? gonna need a new torque drill. <laughs> the BMW is taking a new life of its own. <laughs> Stereo Smell. wasn't enough. Now we got to pee in it. No, it smells Screw like a Crystal dog kennel. Springs bottles. I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that fun bit, we're let's, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about uh, some of your more current innovations, which are absolutely fascinating. And get ready, geeks, you guys are going to love this. Hey, everybody, this is Dan from Rain City Supercars. Rain City Supercars is brought to you by M Squared Fitness, personalized fitness and personalized performance. Nick and I are both members at M Squared and can personally testify to the great results. You can find M Squared Fitness at m2-fitness.com or on Facebook or Instagram at m2fitnessredmond. Mention Rain City Supercars and get your first visit free. But remember, you've got to mention Rain City Supercars. And welcome back. Uh, DJ, let's talk a little bit about one of your projects that you're constantly... Er, right now working on, I should say. Um, and one that took a lot of explanation to make me understand because, uh, like you and Dan, I'm not the motorcycle guy and I haven't spent a lot of time on the trails at night, but, um, you're working on kind of a lighting system. So you're going a little farther than a match and a candle, which I'm used to, but being that this is a system that you're, you're developing for motorcycles. And like I said earlier, you and Dan are big guns. Can you tell us a little bit about this? I mean, for those of us that don't ride like you two at night? Sure. Well, um, and, and you know, this problem really translates into all of off-road racing. I, I don't want to say racing because it's really just anyone that's out in the woods that wants to see where they're going. Um, so the first thing about LED lighting these days is it's all about horsepower. It's all about lumens. It's just putting a bunch of light out there, maximum light, maximum light. But what they don't really realize is that is the color of that light is that what you need to be seeing is does that help you see the best in the environment that you're in or maybe um does it not blind you when you drive by a tree so um what what we're doing is trying to make adaptive led lighting and that uh will take multiple leds and each led will look in a different direction and help form a full field of lighting um kind of fill it kind of fills the void of all the lighting that you can't see but yet doesn't blind you. Because, I mean, I've had the same thing. Like, if you look at my Land Cruiser, it's, it's kind of funny because I've got these two giant 9-inch LEDs plus a light bar, which is combo driving and flood. And it's nice. Oh, I was going to say the driver was funny. But, okay, the lights are funny. I am strange. But at the same time, one of the things I've noticed, and, and I like to have them on with my high beams, but if you catch anything reflective at all, give me a little side reflector on the side of the road or whatever, you're immediately blinded as the driver. It's funny how when you have light that intense and that bright, it is overall helpful but when it's not you're like okay now i gotta stop because i got this giant freaking spot in my eye well one thing that that the dj has taught us and the fact that we were talking about this before this we started this is the fact that the light that you see is not the light that's coming out of your headlight it's the light that's reflecting back and Correct. that's what blinds you right and especially with leds these days um there's a part of the LEDs that can actually do permanent damage to you, right? Correct. So the problem with current LEDs is that the color temperature in Kelvin 
um, <clears throat> it's the wrong color temperature. You know, your eyes do not like to look at this and it actually will cause permanent damage. I don't quote me on this. I believe it's the cones of your eyes. But, um, so at the end of the day, here's what we've developed. So you're driving your motorcycle at a slow rate of speed. Say it has eight LEDs that each point in different directions on the, you know, attached to the front of your bike. They will spread out, they'll dim down, they'll focus in, and they will look around you because you're only going one mile an hour. You only need that much visibility. But the second that you give it any acceleration or you give it any gas, uh, they'll focus out, they'll brighten up, and they'll show you where you're going for whatever speed you're going. And then the second part of that is anytime you go by a tree, for instance, there'll be an indicator or a, a sensor that will automatically dim that one LED that is reflecting into your eyes, blinding you, you know, in uh, about a millisecond. And then on top of that, um, as we were discussing earlier, the color temperature changes. So what you're seeing is what's being reflected back into your eyes. You're not seeing really what's coming out of the LED. So we actually inject uh, RGB into the LED so that the color temperature coming back into your eyes is the right temperature for being in the woods or the desert or on the road or, right. or so, whatever. So for adding red, green, blue RGB for the layman's, it's... Um Basically, you, that gives you temperature control over the light. Correct. And I guess like a standard HRD, active temperature yeah, active control. temperature control. So like a standard LED for most people is typically, and don't quote me on this, I think it's between forty seven hundred Kelvin and six thousand Kelvin. I think that's way. I think it's lower. It's even lower. It's, yeah. it's HID. I'm thinking of HID is what you're thinking of. I think it's like two to four more thousand Kelvin. Wow. Okay. So twenty five hundred usually. All I'm hearing is after the him and his father helping bring surgeons to the hospital, and now he's saving lives. <laughs> this, is, this is how you get a life-saving degree without having a life-saving degree. Making racers go faster in the nighttime. That sounds safe. Yeah, I grew up as a big single-track guy. I didn't say, for our listeners, let's be very clear about that. That doesn't mean I'm good at that. That's just what I did a lot off-road. So it's my passion off-road is I'm not trying to be the fastest guy off-road. I just really enjoy exploring and I do that with cars too, but off-road, I've always enjoyed the very tight technical riding, uh, and this is a game changer. This is a massive game changer for enduro riders who are going long distances, and I guess I can see where this ties into Baja as well. And so you were talking about like um, Rigid and other brands have gone into IR and heads-up display when that stuff is super, super expensive pro level, but f- Sounds like you're talking about a nice in-between, and adaptive lighting is not new. BMW, Audi, I mean, the European brands have been doing this for a long time on a, a much simpler scale. It's way simpler well, yeah, scale. Yeah, they're doing it where you turn a corner and your lights turn. That's the uh, adaptive lighter. Yeah, and that's still really cool. But mm-hmm. And I have seen, I don't know which manufacturer it is, but there is automatic dimming control on cars now, too. Just oh, like start. the Audi Matrix. Yes, Audi Matrix is yeah. it is Audi. That's and there right. are lasers in there and all sorts of fancy things. Yeah, so this is even a step beyond that um, on a much smaller but much more specialized scale. This is uh, it's it's pretty amazing technology to say the least. Well, and, and I and I DJ, I, I don't want to dumb this down for you, but like some of the technology that you guys are talking about has worked its way. Like even on the Ghibli that we have, like when you're coming into an oncoming car. It flips off your high beams, like, and and that's the basis. Thank you, of, Cadillac. Huh? Yeah, Cadillac. What? Sure I've never heard of that Since brand. The 50s. Is it good? Um, <laughs> yeah, they're a smaller brand. Oh, they're smaller. Yeah, I think they're owned Upstart. by Ford. Big <laughs> upstart. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, that's the basis of the, the fact that you're not blind. The <laughs> wow, <laughs> you're not blind the guy that's coming at you. But what you guys are talking about is basically 
while you're riding on the trail, the light that's reflecting back in your eye and blinding you and making the trail hard to see, your lights are, are dimming that instantaneously, faster than the human eye can, and, al- and allowing you to see things that you may not see, right? Absolutely. Okay. So it's adaptive in focal length, brightness, and color, and then auto-dimming, basically. That's amazing. I can't and direction. Know. I mean, I, I forgot about that little part. I can't see this come to fruition. Well, it's fruition. I mean, DJ, you have run this system that you designed on bikes already, right? Yes, without the auto-dimming portion. That was the one sensor I needed to add. But yeah, we've prototyped this sort of thing. Right, so, so it's coming up. I... It's something that you will see in the future is, is, is the coolest thing. And that's one of the reasons why um, I wanted to bring DJ on without giving away too many of his patented secrets is the fact that this is what's coming in the future. And this is something that I can see, as I call a trickle-down into cars, motorcycles, and other things that make these sports a lot safer. That makes anything a lot safer. This coming to driving is like when you're when you're coming off of a in the middle of nowhere, like if I'm going over Highway 2 at night, I mean, I used to do these, I call them pass blasts, blasts when I was younger. You'd be going to, you're going, let's say, at a relatively faster than normal rate of speed. Never. And yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Dan, but, you have family that's in state patrol, so you never exceed the speed limit. Never, okay. ever once, never done that. So, but in that kind of lighting technology where you want is maximum brightness, maximum focal length as far as you can, but then you come around a corner or you see an animal or something like that, it's going to, I mean, having that adaptive brightness for a car coming at you, I mean, that's just, like I said, it's a game changer to have automatic light control like that. It actually surprises me that that type of technology hasn't been mass produced yet. So that's why, that's again... That's why I think the technology is kind of cool because even someone like me who knows very little about motorcycles and things like that sees that technology that you've talked about and, and thinks that it could be something that could really save lives in the future. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, what, what good is a uh, motorcycle or any off-road vehicle or any vehicle for that instance if you can't see where you're going? It defeats I mean, the purpose. that's the first thing that you need to figure out. Yeah. Sight. <laughs> so I, I say this to the listening audience, pay attention to where your car sees and doesn't see what, what, you know, actually just pay attention to that little thing because most people don't, they just take what the factories give them and think that that's the best. We've talked about happen. this on previous episodes, even, uh, our good friend Kelly, we're doing, I'm going to do a retrofit on his headlights cause he's got the standard Ford, uh, reflector style headlights is a, a newer F250. Well, oh, you were talking about that on the last episode. Yeah, You're exactly. going to cook his headlights. Yeah, exactly. Like this, so I got to cook them. I got to pull them apart. I got to put in a projector. Like it's serious work to get these things right. But if you look at like uh, um, any of the new Audis, like you were talking about with a laser LED or the laser lighting systems, which yeah, are like the Matrix. Yeah. yeah, the Matrix system. That's about as cutting edge as it gets. And this is a step beyond that. It's cool to see these things come from what <laughs> literally sounds like. No, that's impossible. Like that, that, that can't happen. But then we're seeing it now. We've got lasers and headlights, for God's sakes. It's like seriously 80s sci-fi come to life. I love it. It is the year 2020 just about, so. Yeah. I keep saying this over and over, but, you know, Terminator's happening. I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. <laughs> Stop bowing down to these people. I work for them. <laughs> as long as they're good drivers. <laughs> I watched a YouTube video, and I figured out how to beat the, YouTube, uh, the Terminators. Some guy goes, look at what you do is if a Terminator walks in your house, you grab a cup of water and you throw it on it. Circuits out. (laughs) That's what I choose to believe that Arnold would want. You're cut off. 
too late for that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that's company number 19 for you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. So the funny thing is, this is such a small world though. And this is why we kind of started doing this is we've got all these cool people in the community we constantly meet that are changing so many things in the area and they're right next door to us. And you've been to exotics. You've we've seen you driving around. We, everybody knows your car. It's a little hard to miss. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows your gas guzzling gray Hummer. According, according to the marketing, it's not a car. It's not a truck. It's a sheep in wolf's clothing. Quote, 1988. That's a big-ass <laughs> sheep. <laughs> not so fluffy. I can't imagine the lamb chops that would come from that. I still remember the first time I ever, I ever saw a Hummer was on, the, was on TV. And it wasn't military. It was the show Nasty Boys. And it was uh, Janet Jackson did the opening theme to it. It was a one-season run. And it was uh, them going across the Florida Keys with an it M60. It was a music? Like, like an no, MTV it was an actual one-season run TV show. And it was about some specialized police force. It's terrible. I looked it up the other day. And I got to show it to you guys during the next break because you guys are going <laughs> to laugh your asses off at this thing. I had no idea. I mean, when I think back to like what is... And it's funny because, you know, for those of you that don't know, American General made the Hummer. And when America is in the name, you know it's America. Well, they also made all the Jeeps for the post office, you know? No. More American things. Yeah, but here's the thing. If I put a Jeep in a parking lot and a Hummer and I look at somebody who doesn't know anything about cars and goes, which one can go farther? They're going to pick the Hummer. That's maybe, why maybe. I put you in my phone as DJ the Hummer. <laughs> so, um, let me, before we go, tell me, what other applications have you thought about this for? I mean, it's ideal for motorcycles. Obviously, as a rider, I'm, my mind is kind of blown right now of how awesome this idea is for the lighting. But... You've got it. I mean, I'm sure you've thought beyond that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's it's uh, you know any application where you can't see at night, anything that needs to be adaptive. I mean, even current flashlights don't do much of this, except for you know my partner Led Lenser. A lot of their headlamps will do the brightness and things like that, but but that's about it. Are you gonna are you gonna sell these then in like light bar packages and everything? Or how's absolutely, this, how's this gonna work? Yeah, I want to make light bars, adaptive LED light bars. I cannot wait to see And modular, this. too. So there's wider, you know, you can curve them. They're, you know, one LED at a time that you add on. Well, my new rack's coming in this month, so a 42-inch, please. So how did you get into the whole lighting thing anyway, though? I mean, So I know you've got your experience with Baja. Did you think of it then or just riding off-road? Like, where did this really come to you at? No, it's really a culmination of just years of spending too much time in the deep, dark woods. Um, you know... Burying uh, bodies is hard. Uh, it, it really is. And, uh, stealing cars and stripping them in Northwest the woods. Is, it's soft soil, though. Soft <laughs> soil, yeah. So, you know, a lot of times uh, off-road, um, you, you're always wanting more anytime you're in the dark in any off-road vehicle. No matter what lighting system they have, there's always, there seems to be some sort of problem with it. But dirt bikes have been notorious. It's like they put a bulb on the front and uh, expect you to just go 100 miles an hour with that thing. And it just... You know, one bulb for one setting for one speed. I don't really understand it. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, I literally duct taped a flashlight to the bill, the visor on my dirt bike helmet when I was younger. Because oh. the flashlight, the headlight was crap, and I couldn't see where I turned my head. Mm -hmm. And so I literally just, I, I didn't have any money. I was a kid, so I just duct taped the light on there. You know, so like two D batteries, something weighed a ton. Maybe even four D batteries, yeah, right? But I could see, and that's all that mattered. Right. Well, I think this is a good learning experience for our younger listeners that 
Just because you think that somebody should have invented it doesn't mean you can't. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea to run with it. It's I just, wish I thought of just a simple headlight attachment for a headlight. Now they're out there everywhere, and you can buy them all the time. Because LEDs have come such a long way. You can get those little four or five LED visor lights. They're, yeah, under and, the visor, like, stick on. Yeah, and yeah. they work great, actually. It, and now this is way above that. I can't wait to try this. I just probably have to buy another dirt bike now. Thanks. <laughs> just a headlight. Don't act headlight. like you're sad to buy another dirt oh, bike. Oh, I am not. <laughs> oh, and darn. don't you act like you're sad that he buys another dirt bike and tries your product. Oh, I won't. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. That's a problem. Never mind. Only Dan is Everyone sad. needs at least 10 motorcycles. Well, I'm 10 behind. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, as you go down to Mule, you can come, like, the aftermarket lighting scene, I don't, it, for some reason, it seems like it's come into fashion all over again. I mean, lights have always been a big deal ever since we were in school or when you were younger. I mean, like going, the KC round yellow right, opera the lights. I remember seeing those on the, the Toyota in Back to the Future and thinking how cool they were. And I'm like, oh, I want that. And that was just super old school. You know, better add an older alternator to run them. But <laughs> but now it's like you add a bunch of LEDs to a truck and you're up to, what, 100 watts total? I have British cars that have Lucas lighting. So <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Oh, that's just sad to even hear. There's the reason, you know, like beer is warm in England because Lucas made refrigerators. <laughs> <laughs> I always laugh. There was a famous scene in Mad Men where one of the characters, and it's terrible to laugh at, but it's still funny. He gets a new Jag XK, uh, and he's extremely depressed. He tries to kill himself in his garage, but turning on the car, and it won't start. <laughs> <laughs> All I the have, oils on I the garage floor. I have no floor. idea what that's like. <laughs> oh, that's just sad. That went dark, Nick. <laughs> on, a, on a positive note, one of my favorite lines from Mad Men when the guy goes, yeah, when I think about you, and the guy goes, I don't think about you at all. Oh, yeah. It's the best response ever. One of the best response at all. He goes to tell off his boss and he <laughs> tells him everything. He goes, I don't think about you at all. He just walks out of the elevator. It, it's just amazing. We're, we're getting off topic. Yes. But, anyway. Um, obviously, the fact that, you know, in the, in the world we live in, nobody, not everybody is driving in the day. And driving at night is something that needs to be conquered. And you have seen an opportunity and, and you're trying to fill that opportunity, right? Absolutely. Okay. Why not? Well... Why not? And and again, I go back to my previous point. Just because you think it's been invented doesn't mean it does. Just because you sit around and watch NBC's Shark Tank doesn't mean that you don't need some type of new Depends to crap your pants. <laughs> that was a stretch, Nick. <laughs> I got another. <laughs> He's distracted by the shiny flashlight. I don't want to talk about it. It's a really nice flashlight. <laughs> So DJ gave Nick this pretty amazing flashlight. Uh, it's a, it, LED lights do not come in all. You know, you've seen your five dollar Amazon special that everybody's got in their glove box, all the way up to five six hundred bucks. And now that you've seen like a nice light, you're like, oh, now I need one of those, and I'm spoiled. It's one of those things where, like, when DJ and I, DJ and I met, we he goes, oh, I I've, I've got this product you should try, and I kind of helped design it, and I go, okay, sure. And I mean, I don't, I'm not in a lot of situations where I need a flashlight. But there are times now where I go, I should probably get a flashlight just in case. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, at the least, being a car guy, I use it a ton just to work on cars. Well, when you have a British car. <laughs> well, okay, but yeah, I mean, it's not that hard to see an uh, you know, oil leak on a British car. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, DJ parks two spots for me, and he can see the oil leaks in the Triumph. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. So. You know. <laughs> All but right. th but there is something to be said about a high quality light. Absolutely. Not all lights are created equal, 
We're not just talking about the way they look or how bright they are. No. There are actually engineered details. Yeah, it's one of those unfortunate things where you want to believe that you can spend 10 bucks on Amazon and get a good light. Nope. Until somebody gives you a good one, and then you just like, oh, man, I didn't want to believe the hype was real. And then you find out it is, and you're just kind of ruined. Well, I think, and you will both agree with this, agree with me in the fact that you can pay nothing for a light and get crap, and you can pay a lot for a light and get crap. But there is a middle ground that really needs to be touched and can give you a really quality light. And this isn't a lot of products, but I'm, I'm using the lighting thing, the fact that you saw a need, and it, it doesn't necessarily, it's not a product that's going to cost millions of dollars, but it's something that can really save lives and really can and bright, brighten the future for all out or late night rate motorcycle. I'm not a motorcycle. Well, rider. it's really just Stop to give you the best experience. <laughs> it's all about the experience. Why are you out there riding at night? If you're going to have a terrible experience Yeah. and you could hurt yourself. And then imagine when your bike is on its side and the light went out and you're the only one out there in the silence, in the dark, in the mountains, right? You need to well, think about I, I what that actually DJ. feels like. Bears out there. Mexican bears. Oh. <laughs> well, technically, yes, if you're in Mexico. Are there bears in Mexico? That's a good question. That's a really good Do you think there's bears in Mexico? I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to okay. Google this. Yeah. <laughs> Google the Mexican bears. They're gummy called bears. trophy trucks. They're called yes. gummy bears. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I've been out there, and that was always the struggle. They're like, oh, I want to get back before it gets dark. It really does open a whole new game if you could actually ride at night. I mean, because... And the reason we don't is because the lighting is inadequate. I go off-roading in the cruiser all the time at night. doesn't matter. But it's actually more fun. Yeah, it is, time. especially in the snow. Yeah, but, but Dan, being your friend as long as I have, I know the things you've hit in the light. I can't imagine the things you'd hit in the dark. <laughs> so, well, they moved. You don't see them. That's the good news. <laughs> no, all the trees you've hit, and hit have not moved. <laughs> I think we moved all of them. There was some chopping and some sawing. No, I'm talking about moved. those stories you have told me on the bike when you oh, hit trees yes. during the daylight. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean... I'd uh, put a disclaimer in that I wasn't that good earlier. I just enjoy it a lot. You don't have to be good at something to enjoy it. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, don't, don't think of any examples. Yeah, I, I can say, see you. Of all the stupid crap I say, you win one for that. Yes. Let's, uh, let's take a quick uh, commercial break, and we'll come back uh, with the end of our podcast. Hey, this is Nick from Rain City Supercars. This part of the podcast is brought to you by M Squared Fitness. Personalized fitness... Personalized performance. Find M Squared Fitness online at m2-fitness.com. Mention Rain City Supercars. Get your first session free. And we're back. DJ, I really appreciate you taking the time because I know you're a busy guy. Obviously, like Dan said before, you've started something like, you know, 4,700 companies in the last, you know, 15 minutes that we've been sitting here. But, I mean, to hear your stories about nothing starting from you and your dad owning Hummers and, and working with the Fred Hutch to, you know, working on these incredible life-saving lights while driving with cars and motorcycles and things like that and the technology that will trickle down. I really appreciate you taking time to come in here. That little sure. Baja thing you did was cool too. Of course. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> that little Baja thing. Oh, the, the, oh, the, the watches oh, and the clicking. Oh, that's clicking. right. The whole <laughs> timing figuring tracking, out who wins. Yeah, scoring, yeah, I mean, we really appreciate you coming. I mean, I know, you know, you have a lot of things going on right now, but we really thank you for coming. Um, so thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. Uh, we'll try and post some links on the website. I'm honored. No pressure. <laughs> Hashtag first world problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep it up. Well, I mean, uh, 
Speaking for Dan and I, I'm Nick. We've got a lot of great episodes lined up coming up in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, our next episode is going to be a really fun one. Yes, it is. We're it, not going to say too much it, about it. It may you guys end up being it. a two episode, but yeah, it's going to be a really fun uh, episode. Um, Rain City Supercars is really, you know, starting to try to kind of find new people and try to get to know the people. I'm sorry. Rain City Supercars is trying to start to get the, the community to know the people that are part of the car community. And, you know, DJ is a very good example. Our next guest is going to be a really good example if he shows up. Um, He's not out of the country. Yeah, he, he kind of times to, to run for Monaco, but that's something for different. But um, we're really Monaco. happy to be here. That's a great problem. I want that problem, right? I'm mean, running right? for Mexico or Mexico or Monaco. Yeah, those are very different places. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but um, from all of it's us at Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.